Well, the RBA meets today with inflation rising, jobs under control. Is this the point that they pivot and start talking about great rises this year and an end to QE this month? Will they finally join the party? If you think lifting interest rates is a party. Inflation is still showing up everywhere. Of course, yields are rising in Europe. Are we expecting an ECB pivot as well? And a rate rise from the Bank of England is almost certain this week. No one is exempt, it seems, except for China, of course. It's Tuesday, the 1st of February, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar has fallen away overnight, down 0.7% on the DXY. But that is, of course, coming off the highest level since June 2020. So let's not read too much into that just yet. It has helped the Aussie dollar, though. That's up more than 1.1%, back over 70 US cents, quite easily over 70 US cents, actually. The euro also strong today, up 0.7%. Equity strong as well, especially the Nasdaq, up 2.4%, more than 1% for the S&P 500, 0.6% for the Dow. In Europe, the FTSE 100 finished a tiny bit down, whereas the Eurostox 50 was up 0.9%. The DAX up 1%. Uh, Tesla climbed 9.7% this morning. Alibaba is up 7%. Apple is still rising after uh, its beginning result last week as well. And we've seen big rises in bond yields in Europe. Six basis points added to 10 years in the UK, Germany and France, ahead of the Bank of England and the ECB this week. But just one basis point added to 10-year treasuries in the United States. An Aussie 10 years down five basis points. And oil is up uh, 1.2% for WTI. Brent up 1.4%, now over $91. You know what? $100 oil doesn't seem the least bit unlikely now, does it? Uh, we were thinking it was uh, a long way away uh, not so many months ago. Now it's a, you know, an almost certainty. And Tapper Strickland is with us today from NAB in Sydney. So uh, Tapper's obviously lots of central banks this week. Obviously bonds are the main story. And the follow-through still from last week's FOMC meeting. Now, I mentioned those uh, those uh, high bond yields in Europe, less so in the United States. But the last couple of weeks, it's been the, the front end of the curve, hasn't it, which has seen all the moves, less so in the back end. So I guess that's really signalling that, you know, all that uncertainty, that even the central bank, even the, the, uh, the, the Fed has admitted, <laughs> we don't know what happens in the future. Uh, so everyone's focusing at the front end. Uh, good morning, Phil. Yes, uh, it has been quite a spectacular uh, run in terms of markets over the past couple of weeks, and a lot of it driven by the bond market sell-off that, that we have seen. Uh, in terms of overnight um, action, you did see a further sell-off in uh, the short end of the curve, as, as you're noting there, um, and that was primarily yeah. based on um, one Fed official who uh, was appeared in the weekend FT, um, and he seem to have opened up the possibility of a 50 basis point hike uh, at the yeah. March meeting. And that did get markets a little bit fearful that the Fed is likely to be um, even more aggressive. Uh, what has occurred over the past couple of hours, though, is a little bit of unwinding of that sentiment. And in particular, Bostic, who, whose FT interview uh, really sparked that rise in two-year yields, um, he was just on the wires there just saying 50 basis point hike is not my preferred policy action for March. So you've actually mm. seen a little bit of a reversal there. And that's part of the reason why uh, US yields haven't uh, risen by as much as their European counterparts. And we've had Mary Daly as well, haven't we, trying to calm the waters from the San Francisco Fed saying that, you know, gradual rises, not disruptive rises, is what she was saying to Reuters. You know, we're not taking the punch bowl away totally. So a very different tone to Bostic for Mary Daly. Uh, yes, and uh, I guess Mary, Mary Daly is one of the dovish uh, people on mm. 
the FOMC, but it's also worth noting that when asked about market pricing, so market pricing essentially uh, prices five rate hikes uh, by the US Fed uh, for 2022. Um, she did say if you do get to that point, uh, while that's quite a bit of tightening, um, there's still a lot of accommodation in the system because for her, uh, the terminal rate is still around 2.5%. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think that still goes to the Point where the Fed is likely to hike rates, likely to hike rates more than three times as they currently have penciled in in their December dot plot. Uh, and markets, of course, are pricing in five rate hikes for this year. And just finally, uh, the Fed's George, who's more on the hawkish spectrum, um, said that she really wants more aggressive action on the balance sheet. And uh, if you do that, then that could argue for a shallower path in the policy rate. And I thought mm. just one interesting uh, bit from her speech was that she thought um, – the Fed's holdings of Treasury securities could be suppressing longer-term yields by as much as 1.5 percentage points, according to some rules of thumbs that she uses. Um, so I think that's quite significant in terms of where yields go from here. Uh, and if um, the Fed's George is arguing for more aggressive unwinding of the balance sheet, um, then you'd have to say, according to those old rules of thumbs, that you should see higher yields from here. Yeah, it's a, it's a big balance sheet, isn't it? You wonder how much you'd have to, I mean, you, I know you did the sums and we talked about it last week or the week before, you'd have to take down a lot, wouldn't you, to have the same uh, the same impact as, uh, as raising interest rates. But uh, look, the, the Aussie dollar bouncing back today, I guess that gives some credence to Ray's argument yesterday that the fall had uh, quite a bit to do with month-end flows, more than anything else, perhaps. Uh, yes, yes, I think it does. And also, I think uh, part, part of the reason for the lift in the Aussie as well it's just the general improvement in risk sentiment overnight. So mm. while you noted yields did rise in uh, Europe and in, in the US uh, in some fashion, you've seen another good day for equities. Um, so the S&P 500 at the moment up 1.2% uh, following up on Friday's uh, rise as well. And as you know, the Australian dollar, along with its Kiwi counterpart, is one of the most risk-sensitive currencies mm. in the world. So when US equities are doing a little bit better, um, that is also supportive for the Australian yeah, dollar as but, well. Yeah, I mean, an okay day after a really bad January, of course, but... Uh I guess we've got, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. We'll get back to Australia in a second. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens with equities in the US because it's a massive day for earnings today. We've got Alphabet, we've got PayPal, AMD, General Motors, UBS, and we've got Facebook and Exxon tomorrow. Uh, like, you know, a huge day. Uh, definitely. And it's just also worth noting about one third of S&P 500 companies have reported so far, and 77% of those have beaten uh, earnings expectations. So mm. it has been a relatively strong uh, earnings season, even though we have seen uh, that sell-off in stocks over the past month there. Um, and you're starting to see a few broker reports coming out uh, talking about how stocks are um, oversold, particularly for some of the tech names out there. And I saw some um, buy recommendations on some of the pretty big falls uh, in some of those tech names there. So I think some investors are thinking whether there's a bit of value out there, um, just given the sharp falls that we have seen so far. So the RBA today, are we going to see a very different approach? Because uh, obviously in their, in their last minutes, they talked about tapering now and ending in May, but they also talked about the option of just stopping it in February. So First question is, does that seem likely? And are they going to, you know, become a bit more like the Fed? Maybe not quite quite so extreme, but are they going to start bringing forward uh, rate rises this year? Because, I mean, inflation, obviously, I mean, it's less, but it's, you know, it's still significant. And, uh, you know, they were holding on for better labour statistics, but they've been good too. So could we see a, a swift change in attitude when it comes to rates as well today from the RBA? Uh, it's two very good questions. And for QE, uh, we've been of the view that the RBA will end it uh, at the February meeting, so we're looking for them to, to, to end it there. And when you think about it, uh, you've got 
core inflation at target um, at 2.6% year on year makes little sense to keep going with, with QE. And the consensus there is also that the RBA ends its, its QE program. Um, and then in terms of the rate hike path, uh, it's still very, very murky. Uh, and it's, it's murky for two reasons. Um, so the first one is core, core inflation, as I mentioned, uh, is at the midpoint of the RBA's target band is running two years ahead of forecast yeah uh, and the unemployment rate is at its lowest level uh, since august 2008 and is also running about a year ahead of forecast as well um, despite all those kind of improvements um, the rba has said consistently that it really wants wages growth at three percent plus in order to have confidence that inflation is going to be sustained at the midpoint of the target. And that comes after six years of having core inflation running below the midpoint of the target. Um, so for them, they really want wages growth higher. And it's unclear exactly what is the RBA's tolerance for having core inflation at the midpoint of the target or even above the target uh, uh, while it waits until wages growth gets at that rate. And the, and the key importance there is when you look at core inflation on a six-month annualized basis, it's actually running at 3.5% year on year. And that's actually not too far off what we're seeing in the US in the Dallas Fed trim mean inflation, which is running at 3.8% six-month annualized. So the key, the key inflation themes that we have seen in the US, the UK and New Zealand are being reflected in Australia, despite the RBA's notions that they're not being reflected in Australia. So, um, so I, I, I think for the RBA, they have to open up the possibility that they are going to be hiking rates in 2022. But if they keep with their rhetoric on wages, uh, then um, flowing through and replicating some of their wage models suggests they probably don't see wages at 3% plus until early 2023. Right. Because I was going to ask about whether, you know, they are now central banks, particularly the Fed, are they just becoming uh, doggedly focused on inflation now? Is it, uh, you know, is it just the Phillips curve that they're looking at or are they still looking at jobs? And are they going to look at, for example, retail sales? I mentioned that because we get Aussie retail sales today. But, you know, what? what's the impact that they are having on the economy? Because if we see a big slowdown in consumption, I mean, obviously, that's part of what they're trying to achieve. But surely you're going to have to pull back if they see that they're having, uh, you know, a, a, a too strong an impact on the economy while inflation is still rising because it's been supply chain driven. I guess it all really depends on where inflation is. Uh, and if inflation is above target and looking to remain above target, then central banks have little choice but to hike rates to offset that. Mm. Um, and I guess that's where the fears are in the market that central banks will overdo the hiking cycle. And that's part of the reason why you've seen that continued curve flattening theme uh, in, in the US in particular. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I guess for many of us, we'll just have to wait and see exactly how the data reacts to um, a tighter monetary policy and tighter financial conditions. But I think a, a good way to think about it is if you think back to the kind of Taylor rules that kind of summarized uh, policy actions prior to, to the pandemic, um, some of those Taylor rules in the US suggest policy uh, should be at, or sorry, should already be at 1% in the US and should be heading to 2.5% by the end of the year, just given where inflation is mm. at the moment. So I think um, Fed policy goes and tilts more towards the inflation side. And with that, uh, market's going to be fearing that uh, that will bring down a fairly uh, sharp growth slowdown. And we've been talking on the morning call about those comments by Larry Summers saying it's very rare for the Fed to go into a um, hiking cycle without significantly slowing the, the economy. 
Um, so yeah. I think that is definitely something that markets will, will be watching. Um, as, as for the RBA, um, so their central scenario is probably going to be in early 2023. Um, their upside scenario in terms of hiking is probably likely to be in the second half of uh, 2022. And for NAB, we see the first RBA rate hike in November 2022. Cool. All right. Aussie retail sales today. I guess, uh, you know, interesting to see what they are. More interesting, perhaps, is what's happening uh, in Europe with the uh, with the ECB later this week. So yields in Europe uh, are up as I mentioned in the in the introduction, inflation is going to have a bit to do with that. The German inflation rate, 0.4% in January. Producer prices up 0.7% month on month uh, in December. Now, a chunk of that is going to be energy prices That's because we also saw that in Spain as well, 6.1% inflation. And we get those figures for the euro area tomorrow. So um, how is the ECB going to react to all of this? Because um, inflation, it's infectious. You, you can't escape it. And they've got it bad, it seems. Uh, yes, and uh, I think uh, President Lagarde has been consistently trying to rule out 2022 in terms of hikes. But I think even uh, in Europe, you'd have to say uh, the, the hawks on the uh, executive board are probably going to be uh, arguing more towards the need for some kind of policy action in 2022. And I think the last time I was looking at it, Mark surprising in um, the probability of a rate hike at the September um, meeting for the ECB. So um, the ECB, the RBA, uh, generally in terms of inflation is following the kind of global inflation trends um, that, that we're seeing. Right. And uh, the pound sort of uh, doing okay today, despite the fact they might be losing their prime minister. It's interesting. It's, I mean, it's, I don't suppose the markets are too concerned about it right now, but the Sue, the Sue Gray report into Partygate uh, came out heavily redacted, but uh, it was there. Boris Johnson apologized. Uh, there's a police uh, re- uh, report that's still to come. He's saying he's blah, 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 getting on with the job. Uh, his job, of course, is trying to survive. Uh, and, um, I don't know, UK politics is just there really for amusement more than anything else, isn't it? Let's look at today then. Uh, we've got uh, US ISMs tonight. Uh, we had the Chicago PMI overnight, which was actually surprisingly strong, 65.2. We've been seeing a lot of weakness in uh, regional reports lately. Uh, so this was a, a, a bit of an outlier, but does it signal some strength coming back to the US economy? Could do. And I guess the uncertainty there is really around the Omicron variant and mm. to what extent that did uh, impact on the economy in January. Um I'll be looking quite closely at the prices paid sub-index for the ISM. And if you recall in December, uh, the prices paid sub-index fell to 68.2 from 85.7. And that was its lowest level since November 2022. So some suggestion that maybe the peak in inflation pressures are starting to ease in the US. Um, the consensus looks for the headline ISM to be 57.5 and for prices paid to ease a little bit further. And I think that's where most of the focus is going to be for markets. And in the US, we also get uh, jolts. I think that's yeah. worth looking at. Uh, just given uh, Fed Chair Powell was pointing towards those jolts numbers as a reason for why the labor market is very tight and for re- reasons why the US is probably uh, near or at maximum employment. Yeah. Well, there's lots of jobs. Of course, you get non-farm payrolls as well at the end of the week. We know there's lots of jobs. Does any Anybody want them? That's the question. And uh, how much do they want to get paid, which is the other significant factor as well, of oh, course. Definitely. And I think that's part of the reason why markets, although you did see that rally in, in risk and you've seen a little bit of a lift in bond yield, you have to say has been relatively subdued. And that's part of the reason is because you've got payrolls on Friday. And yeah. um, all focus is really on the average hourly earnings component there and whether that's still continuing to uh, print at pretty hefty rates. If it is, uh, then that argues towards the need of the Fed becoming uh, more aggressive in 2022 relative to the December dot plot. Um, if you see some easing up on, on wages, as perhaps you did see in the ECI um, earlier in the week, yes. uh, then perhaps that argues towards 
the, uh, a lesser need to become uh, more hawkish. Yeah, very uncertain, isn't it, the future? We know what the immediate future's like, but uh, give us the end of this year and it's anyone's guess, really. Good to talk, Tapas. Catch you again soon. Thanks. Uh, cheers. Uh, thanks, Phil. And that's it. Uh, that's Tuesday morning on The Morning Call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow morning.